like to start today by uh, posing a question. Let, let's just say, for example, and we'll get it here on the screen. We pose this question to a thousand just random people, just everyday people. We randomly select them, and here it is. We ask them, do you believe that a person's trust in Christ or lack thereof will be the number one factor determining their lasting happiness, quality of life, whatever term you want to use, lasting happiness, and healthy character development in life. So we're asking a thousand random people, not you, I'm not asking you guys yet, <laughs> but I'm asking a thousand random people, how many really believe that this will be the determining factor to their lasting happiness in life as well as healthy character development. A thousand random people. Uh, I'm going to suggest, based on what I've experienced through my lifetime, the percentage out of an average thousand people that actually think this is number one would be low. How many would agree with me that it would probably be a small percentage of people that would agree that Christ and trust in Him is the number one determining factor of a person's lasting happiness and healthy character development. How many think that would be a low percentage? Can I see your hands? Yeah, based on everything. I mean, what I have experienced in my lifetime, and I think if you think it through, you'll agree, is, is that the majority of people, we, we treat Christ rather dismissively i mean he's just you know if you need listen man if you need jesus if jesus is something that helps prop your life up that's cool for me i'm into ceramics and ceramics does it for me or i take yoga or i do karate or you know or i like to hunt and fish or i like to see how much money i can make or i'm working on my yard i'm really into vegetables and kayaking and and, and we just look at christ as just a shrug of the shoulder option doesn't matter if it floats your boat cool but have you ever really thought through or do the masses of people give a degree of consideration even to the kind of claims that Jesus made for himself and that the rest of the New Testament makes about him I mean let me just give you a quick quick run through I mean Jesus claimed to be the I am the creator God in human form the creator and sustainer of the whole universe in fact that's why they ultimately crucified him and said you being a man make yourself to be God he claimed that he would be the one that every single human being would stand before after we are dead and raised and he would be the one raising us we would stand before him to give account for the kind of life we lived he claimed to have the power the authority to forgive sins all sins he, he claimed that every person's life will be dependent upon their relationship with him based on the quality of life he said apart from me you can do nothing in John 15 he at one point he said he called himself the bread of life and the water of life well you know we can't live without bread and water he was saying you really can't live without me I mean the claims go on and on and the rest of the New Testament reinforces those so so here's the problem with treating Jesus dismissively and we can do that and people do that and I respect that if that's what they choose to do I mean, if you choose to take the most beautiful, the most loving, the most merciful, the most intelligent life the planet has ever seen and just treat it as inconsequential, we, we, we can do that. God has nothing left that he can do with, you, with us at that point. 
But here's what it comes down to. Jesus claims to be God, to be the raiser of the dead, to be the judge of all, to be the one that's going to culminate human history and bring his kingdom back to this earth and his kingdom will rule forever. All these claims that he made, it comes down to this. Jesus was either lying. This is what C.S. Lewis says, by the way. Some of you are familiar with the Christian writer C.S. Lewis. He was either lying and everything he said was a lie, but nothing in his character fits that in fact at one point he challenged his enemies which of you can charge me with sin Jesus was without sin sinless he was either a liar as C.S. Lewis says or he could have been a lunatic just you know thinking he was God and making these ridiculous claims but nothing in his life nothing in his character nothing in what he taught nothing in what he did gives us the slightest impression that he's anything but the most awesome amazing life that the planet has ever seen so he could be the lord the liar or he could be a liar or lunatic or he could be who he says he is the lord and if he is the lord if he is the creator if he is the sustainer of the universe then his claims are are really significant in fact they are the most significant in all of life listen every human being that you'll ever meet is always looking for happiness and we experiment we try different things and sometimes we get happiness quickly only to find that in the long run it doesn't last and often comes with consequences we're experimenting we're trying things we're just looking for happiness Christ claims that it cannot be had lasting happiness lasting wholeness cannot be had apart from union with himself unless we're willing to trust him learn his will learn his ways and let his life start to form in us that that we will never ever find that elusive something that we're always looking for so this brings us to the subject today of what we're going to call true faith or true trust we're in the book of James this is our third message in the book of James James is is in the latter part of the New Testament it's in what you call the general epistles however having said that it was probably the very first New Testament book written probably somewhere around 49 AD along with Galatians so, somewhere near one of the two being the first James as we said he's the half brother of Jesus he didn't believe in his half brother until he saw him with his own physical eyes that he had risen from the dead then he became a loyal follower of Jesus and becomes the the pastor of the church in Jerusalem which grew with exponential growth one day it grew from 120 to 3,120 about a year later it had 5,000 men if you had children and women it could have been 15 20,000 people in the church but then a persecution broke out uh, the followers of Judaism they started persecuting the followers of Christ they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah and so they scattered it says all over the world Acts chapter 8 verse 1 and verse 4 it says that that they were scattered at the persecution but everywhere they went they just kept telling people the truth about God and the truth about life as it's centered in the person of Christ it's 11 years later when James is writing now James the pastor of these people that once were in Jerusalem now they're scattered all over still a large number in Jerusalem he knows their condition and he's writing because the Spirit of God has led him to give them some insights that they need to cope with their conditions. These people, in many cases, they lost their jobs, they lost their families, their lives were turned upside down because of their trust in Jesus. They were being persecuted, they had to start life over again. Somebody in here is probably, a, you're in one of those cycles, man, where you're like, 
I have to do every, I, I've got to start my life over again. My career is in jeopardy. My health is in jeopardy. My key relationships are in jeopardy. I'm looking at a very stark set of circumstances. That's the condition of many of the people that James was writing to. Now, as he's writing to them, though, you have to understand, he, he's received information about their condition and some of the things that they were drifting into because of their difficult circumstances. Uh, you might recall when we start out in the book of James, they were undergoing trials, and they didn't understand that these trials were allowed by God to develop their character. And they were actually accusing God, attempting them, of causing them to fall into temptation. In chapter 2, the earlier verses, we're not going to cover them today, they start showing economic prejudice. In other words, when, when a rich person came into their congregation, they treated them like gold. But if an everyday person came in, they were kind of dismissive to them. You find in chapter 3 in James that, that they were really using communication skills to attack and tear down and slander one another. You find in chapter 4 they were having whole-scale conflicts, relational conflicts, big conflicts, and they were being kind of seduced by the glitz and glamour of the society of that day, just as we can be seduced and enticed by the glitz and glamour of society today. When you get to chapter 5 in James, you find they were becoming very impatient for the Lord to intervene and do something. They were literally like, when are you going to return? You said you were going to return. When are you going to straighten things out? We're not having a good ride here. So this was kind of the condition that James is writing to. And I urge you, uh, if you are not reading the book of James as we're in this series, please do so because everything I say will be a lot more meaningful to you. So James is going to zero in in the portion we're going to look at today on what I'm calling true faith, and you'll see that that is the context. And we need to understand it because we said at the beginning, a person's lasting happiness and healthy character development actually is dependent upon our true trust in Christ or lack thereof. Now, here's the thing. You're going to see as we read these verses, James is writing to people that were were engaged in a kind of an argument they were saying in other words i am a real deal christ follower i have put my trust in christ and yet their life was not showing a consistency with that and james is trying to break through to awaken some of these people now, now there could have been a lot of reason for it because why would you identify as a follower of christ if it's bringing you persecution well maybe you do so because you're a child in a family and maybe mom and dad became authentic followers of Christ but you were just kind of brought up in it and you're just kind of going along for the ride so you kind of believe all the things about Jesus that you've heard but that doesn't mean that you've authentically trusted in him to be his follower it, it could be that other people they just wanted to cling to the relationship they had there's a lot of people that go to churches just because of the friends that they make and the connections they make and it gives them a sense of you know belonging somewhere there can be all kinds of reasons that a person you got to follow me now that, that they would identify as a christian but might not really be a christian that a person could identify as one that has authentically put their trust in christ and become his follower but actually are not and yet this question in my Am I authentically one that trusts in Christ? And because of my trust in Christ, I am following him. That will be the determining factor in the lasting happiness of my life. And we're all looking for happiness in this life, as well as in the life to come. And in the healthy character development. And our character is always developing. We're always growing. We're always in movement. This is one of the wonderful things. God's given us the ability to change course. 
thank God that we can do that. At age 23, I changed course in my life. Many of you have changed course because God kind of turned on the lights and you started seeing that my experimental lifestyle was not the best, wisest way to live. And the consequences were starting to become obvious. Okay, let's, let's go to the text now. We kind of got our, our setting. Let's go to the text itself. James chapter 2, verse 14. My friends, what good is it for you or one of you to say that you have faith? And when you see that word faith, think faith slash trust. It is a Greek word, pistis. It means faith, trust, confidence, reliance. I usually use the word trust these days because faith has become, become kind of a churchy word that has lost its punch. I mean, it, the real word there, it's, it's about a trust that links us to God so that we joyfully, willfully follow him, learn his ways, learn to live as he lives and love as he loves. One may say that you have faith slash trust if your actions do not prove it. I, I, I got that jump. Let me start over. My friends, what good is it for one of you to say that you have faith if your actions do not prove it? Can that faith save you? Faith, if it is alone and includes no actions, then it is what? It's dead. But someone will say, one person has faith, another has actions. My answer is, show me anyone, excuse me, show me how anyone can have faith without actions, and I will show you my faith by my actions. Do you believe that there is only one God? Good. Who believes? The demons also believe that. That's just a fact. That's just true. There's a difference between believing about God or truths about God and trusting in God. That's what James is trying to get them to see. This hints at there was something that I'm going to call creedalism existent amongst these people that James was writing to. Creedalism, it means this. It is the belief that if I believe certain facts, appropriate, accurate facts about God, I believe that he exists, I believe that he's good, I believe that he's loving, I believe his Christ, Christ came and he lived a perfect, sinless life and he died a sacrificial death and he rose again. If I believe all those facts, then God, you know, kind of puts a check mark on my record and says, you're in. But that's not what the Bible teaches the, the, those facts are just meant to be the foundation for me making a decision now that I know the truth about God will I put my trust in God as he's revealed himself in Christ and in a world where everybody's following somebody usually ourselves, I'm going to follow Jesus because I trust him more than I trust myself I'm a fool I've made all kind of bad decisions in life so I'm going to put my trust in him so the facts about Jesus, seems like James had people that they thought just because they believed the facts about God, oh yeah, me, me and the man upstairs, we're okay. You know, he, he, he knows how I feel about him, how I think about him. No, no, you're not necessarily okay at all. Creedalism doesn't build the bridge to connect us to our creator that brings that transformational kind of life that he wants us to have. So let me go on. He says, the, the demons believe and they tremble with fear. How was our ancestor Abraham? Now he's going all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, first book of the Bible. How was our ancestor Abraham put right with God? It was through his, what? His actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Now, this, this takes place about 58 years after 
God first interacted with Abraham and called him to leave his home or the Chaldees and that God promised him I'll make you a great nation and the whole world will be blessed through you this 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 offering of his son uh, he and his wife were unable to have a child and so God supernaturally enabled his wife to have conceive but now years later when the boy is probably somewhere between 25 and 37 he could have been as old as 37 years old God tells Abraham one day take your son and offer him as a sacrifice and he's like what you gave me the son and now you're off but the book of Hebrews says that Abraham's trust in God was such that he believed that even if he sacrificed his son God would raise him from the dead now if you know the story you know that God stops him he does not sacrifice his son and God says man Abe you are my man you, now I know that that you love me even more than your beloved son so but I want you to get the understanding this event that they're pointing to that James is pointing to it happens after Abraham had been following God for about 58 years it wasn't just a one time a one and done it was something that was a continuous dynamic in his life anyway verse 22 can't you see his faith trust and his actions work together his faith was made perfect through his actions now that word perfect in the Greek word there it's teleos and it's important because what it's what teleos means it's when something is brought to its completion it's matured it's it's reached its its goal so what it's saying is that that action is the goal of trust God wants us to trust him because the trust in him is supposed to produce changed conduct in us it's to be a motivational force so he's saying that faith reaches its its goal when it becomes this action producing it changes our conduct it changes our life if what we're calling trust in Christ is not changing our conduct then we've got ourselves confused or maybe we're believing a lie and we're, and we're going to dig into why we might be susceptible to something like that and this is not meant to rattle anybody today but it is meant for all of us to hear what God wants us to, to think about and hear about let's go on and the scripture came true that said Abraham believed and by the way that's the same word that pissed his faith confidence relies on Abraham we could easily say trusted God and because of his trust or his faith God accepted him as what so, so get this now Abraham was not perfectly righteous I am far from perfectly righteous no human the scripture says is perfectly righteous it says all of sin and come short of the glory of God meaning we we have not lived up to the life that God himself lives we are all unrighteous we are all in need of God's mercy forgiveness rescue okay but it says that when we authentically put our trust in God it says that he counts us as righteous even though we're not yet righteous now he can do this because he knows that once we trust him and start in a lifelong eternally long process of following him learning his way learning his wills learning to live like he lives and love like he loves he will make us righteous it, it, it's kind of like this if if someone wanted to um, joined the marine corps and they did the paperwork and all like that and they were accepted in the marine corps would would they immediately once they are accepted would they immediately be a true soldier marine or a true marine soldier ready ready for war of course not 
But the Marine Corps says, if you, if you submit to our training, we will make you a soldier. So you're counted as a soldier before you're actually a soldier based on the training you're going to get. God says, I'm going to count anyone righteous. And this is great news because this means our sins are forgiven. We're granted uh, everlasting you know, membership in the family of God when we simply put our trust from ourself and put our trust in God as he's revealed himself in Christ. Instead of following myself, I follow Christ because I authentically trust him. So this is really good news. So let's go on. It says, Abraham, oh, 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 no, 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 I wasn't finished. <laughs> and so Abraham was called God's friend. You see then, it is by our actions that we are put right with God, not by our faith alone. They have, to, they have to be together. It was the same with the prostitute Rahab. Wouldn't you like to be known as the prostitute forever? She's in the Bible as the prostitute. It was the same with the prostitute Rahab. She was put right with God through her actions. goes on. By welcoming the Israelite spies, helping them to escape by a different road. So then, as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without action is dead. If you know the story of Rahab, the Israelites are going in to take possession of the land God had given them. And the first place to, to conquer was a city called Jericho. Some spies from Israel go into Jericho. And Rahab, this prostitute, and she's always known as Rahab the prostitute, she hides them because she trusts in the God of Israel, even though she hasn't but scant knowledge about him and she associates she risks her life to save these spies and God then counts her as one of his own as righteous now here's the cool thing if you read the rest of the story as they say she becomes the great grandmother of King David and she's in the lineage of Jesus the Messiah the Christ God revealed to us in human form so anyway it shows that it doesn't matter who we are where we are how far deep in sin we may be God lovingly is ready to declare us righteous and make us righteous if we'll just trust him if we'll just come to him how many of you know that if myself and Michael Phelps everybody know who Michael Phelps is you know swimming all the gold medals guy so if, if myself and, and Michael Phelps are in a swimming contest all right so I'm gonna challenge Michael you got all the gold, but you haven't seen Randy Dandy swim. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you about Randy Dandy. For about 25 yards, I can thrash along pretty good. After that, because I never learned to swim properly, I'm like gasping for breath. I'm drowning. But the real swimmers, some of you, you're real swimmers. You know what I'm saying? You ever watch them? They just glide. They glide through the water. They got this hand movement. It's smooth. They're breathing easy. Me, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so but here's the thing no matter how good Michael Phelps is the race the contest is about who can start in Ocean City and make it to the shore of England is Michael Phelps going to win no he's going to get further than Randy Dandy Randy Dandy's going to get 25 yards and be dead you know needing to be rescued but he's, he might make it 5 miles he might make it 10 miles I don't know he might make it 20 miles He's not going to make it to England. My righteousness or the righteousness of Rahab or anybody else, we all fall so short in living the way that God himself lives and loving the way that God himself loves that our righteousness, it doesn't matter how unrighteous or how righteous, God sees us in the same direction. Unless a, unless a boat comes along to Michael Phelps and to me, he's not making it to England. Unless Christ comes along 
and says, Randy, if you'll trust me, man, your sins are forgiven, and I will enable you to learn to live like I live and to love like I love. I'll, I'll give you righteousness now, and I'll work righteousness in you ultimately that, that's the promise and the gift of God so it doesn't matter how far from God we are we're, we're all in need of God's rescue so let's let's ask ourselves the question so these people almost appear to be in an argument with James they're saying wait 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 wait, wait. we we believe and that's enough we believe and I meet people like this all the time oh, I believe in God I believe in Christ I believe he died for me that's all I need uh, you know he, he paid the price for my sins all I need to do is is believe that and I'm okay I you know I'm you're no better than me don't you judge me don't you tell me that I'm not a Christian or, or whatever because of the way I live or don't live and so they appear to be in a controversy James understands this and he's trying to show them the inconsistency of saying we authentically trust God when we're not actually following God or following Christ doing life God's way learning his word learning his will through his word and his ways and so forth so what's behind this false faith because it's false faith it's people to think they're uh, they belong to God or want to want to be identified as belonging to God but they're really not what, why would somebody do this what's behind it let me try to dig a little deeper for you in the book of Romans there's a verse that says yes they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks and they begin to think up foolish ideas what does it say of what God was like they begin to make up ideas in other words they knew who God was they knew what he was like God's revealed himself to us now comprehensively in Christ we know that God is good and he's kind and he's merciful and compassionate and beautiful and wonderful and trustworthy we know this we know that he loves us so much that he went to a cross to sacrifice himself to show us that he's the safest person in the universe so this is individuals that even though they knew what God was like they started they started creating ideas in their own minds about God we have a propensity a tendency to create false images of God to fit our conduct to make us comfortable in living the way we want to live the way we were maybe rutted in living because we just don't feel like changing and so we create these false ideas about God and that's what this is saying they begin to think of foolish ideas of what God was like as a result their minds became dark and confused claiming to be wise they instead became what fools fools so we create these images of God and he's going to go on to describe them next verse says this and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God they worshiped idols made to look like what mere people in other words what I just said we make up an image of God that fits our lifestyle well you know I, I've, I know God knows my heart he, he understands me when I, when I go out and I do A, B, C, D, 3 you know whatever it is uh, he, he, he knows so we, we make up a false image of God thinking to comfort our own consciences but we're, all we're doing is deceiving ourselves so they worship their idols made to look like mere people and, and then it gets worse birds and animals and reptiles and we know that in various religious forms around the world this actually happens so there's this tendency if we don't like the real God as he's revealed himself in Christ because it doesn't conform to my lifestyle to my habits to my preferences then I'll start 
I'll start idol making in my mind. I'll start making up some image of God that agrees with the way that I'm living. But that's the worst thing that could happen to me because I'm, I'm prone to be a fool and I need God's loving correction on a regular basis in my life. Mark 7 gives us another idea but as Jesus replied you hypocrites Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for he wrote these people honor me with their lips they want to be known as as God's people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me their worship is a what does it say a farce it's a circus it's a joke for they teach what man-made ideas as commands from God for you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. So what is Jesus pointing at? Here again, it's this propensity, this tendency we have when God's going to interfere with some lifestyle habit, we start tinkering with things and we come up with systems of appeasement. So, so, so we, 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 we do things like this. We, uh, we, we go to churches and we read together out loud Sunday in and Sunday out now we don't do that here because you're not supposed to do that the scripture was never given to do this but some churches they'll read Sunday in and Sunday out the Lord's Prayer there's nothing wrong with the Lord's Prayer it was meant to be a topical guide on how to pray but, but it was not meant to be recited but anyway churches will recite it and recite it and, and then some churches every single Sunday they, they do communion the Lord's Supper nothing wrong with the Lord's Supper communion we do it about every six weeks here but here's what goes through there often in the people's minds it's like you're reciting the Lord's Prayer and it's like the person is, is kind of kind of thinking, hey, big guy, I put a smile on your face today, didn't I? You heard me reciting that prayer. And, and that wafer, I think somebody in heaven is smiling at me. I'm taking that cake on my tongue again. It's, it's this nonsensical notion. We create, we start to believe that we can do certain ceremonial acts that appease God so that he no longer cares about the way we actually live how can he do that he can't if he loves us he's got to care about how we live what did we say at the beginning the determining factor in our lasting happiness and healthy character development is our trust in Christ our authentic trust or lack thereof but we come up with these systems we we try to appease God we try to do acts to please God so that we can go on living any way we want and we drug our consciences we stupefy our consciences by means of ceremonialism creedalism is another one I, I mentioned this earlier where we, we just think as long as I believe these right facts about God I know that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died a sinless sacrificial death and he rose from the grave as long as I believe those facts about Jesus I'm okay and nobody's perfect man so don't you tell me that I'm not living the way God's word urges me to live because that doesn't matter it doesn't matter how I live it matters what I believe that's the very thing James is pointing at and he's saying no what you believe about God is very important but it's meant to be the basis the foundation for determining whether or not you will actually trust in him which shows itself by following him I no longer live the way I want to live I live the way God's word teaches me I was designed to live and I do this not to appease God I do this because I trust him it is a spontaneous kind of a thing that's what James is pointing at people that were not living consistently with this so let's summarize this a bit 
satanic slander distorts the image of God causing us to attempt to avoid or appease him what do you mean satanic slander you you'll hear me saying here frequently if you don't read Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 and understand what's going on there you won't understand the rest of the Bible this this fallen angel Lucifer we know him as Satan the devil he comes into the garden of Eden the first human couple were forbidden to eat from one tree God says if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you'll die Satan shows up and he tells Eve he says yeah you won't die if you eat from that tree which what is the insinuation that God's a liar that God's untrustworthy you can't trust God he says you won't die if you eat of that tree in fact Satan goes on he says you not only won't die but if you eat of that tree you'll be like God yourself read it on your own you've got to know Genesis 3 1 through 8 or you won't understand the rest of the Bible it is the it is the key that opens the door what happens trust is broken Adam and Eve stop trusting God they eat of the tree they were forbidden and the next time God shows up to meet with them which they were accustomed to doing they hide from him they run from him they're scared to death in his presence because Satan has convinced them God doesn't really want what's best for you he doesn't care about your lasting happiness he doesn't care about your healthy character development he just likes to keep you dumb and down he he just likes everybody you know worshiping him and you know following his every whim untrue completely untrue most people today that, that really want nothing much to do with God or we make God in our own convenient images it's because we authentically don't trust him we think that he will not make us happier he will not make us healthier but just the opposite so this satanic slander distorts the image of God it causes us to avoid God I spent the first 23 years of my life just trying to keep God out of my mind and out of my life because I felt like if anybody would ruin what little bit of happiness I had it would be him by him imposing his ideas about life on me I didn't want him because I didn't trust him or we try to appease him look God I'm eating the wafer I'm eating the wafer I know that's putting a smile on your face big guy I know I know this is crazy we treat God like he's a relational idiot okay and we know better but this is some of the reasons why somebody would have a claim to having authentic trust in Christ when they actually don't trust him at all and of course our life always tells the story of what's true and that's what James was getting at let me add to this statement God is viewed as untrustworthy intimidating odd arbitrary meaning I don't know why he commands us to do stuff he's just weird and odd he, you know he's the boss he's got all power you don't ask him any questions just do what he says um, impossible to understand you hear people say oh God's ways are mysterious but but he's made himself vulnerably transparent in the word of God and particularly in Christ or relate in a normal fashion we don't understand that God is the most sophisticated relational being in the universe we relate to other humans in a very respectful intelligent way but we think we can relate to God by you know we just do so maybe maybe somebody in here even God forbid that I, that I insult you but but maybe somewhere in your mind you're thinking I, I, I don't really get anything when I go there I don't really pay attention when I go to church but I, I, I know it pleases the big man upstairs and so I show up I, I show up every single Sunday come hell or high water doesn't matter what the weather is I show up because I know I know that's that's going to appease the big man upstairs now I'm living any old way I want to live 
but as long as I show up on Sunday, I'm okay. I, I hope that is not true of any of you. I doubt that that's true of any of you. But it, that's what I mean by appeasement. We come up with these ridiculous appeasement systems because we don't trust God. We're afraid of Him. We don't really think He has our best interest at heart. At the core of our being, some of us, we don't believe. Right now, we believe that if, if we change certain things the way God wants us to change them in our life, we would lose big time. A, a, a big chunk of what we call happiness would be lost if we actually said, you know what, God? If you say stop it, I'm going to stop it. I trust you more than I trust myself. If you say learn it, God, I'm going to learn it. If you say develop this characteristic trait in my life, I'm going to do it because I actually trust you. But, but we think, man, my life's going to get to be so messed up if I start letting God intrude and tell me how to live. And that is exactly what he wants to do because he loves us and he wants what's best and knows what's best particularly in long terms all right let's go on one more statement God is viewed as untrustworthy intimidating odd arbitrary impossible to understand or relate to in a normal fashion so we've kind of covered that once more God's sacrificial revelation of himself in Christ what does it do it destroys this lie forever when God reveals himself in Christ and he goes to the cross for us while we are still in rebellion against him, while we're still unconcerned about him, and the scripture teaches that, this proves that he's far from somebody that is unconcerned about us. He's more concerned than anyone. It shatters the satanic lie that God is just this big power monger that wants to hold back happiness from us and so now we have no reason, no legitimate, no intelligent, no sane reason not to trust in Christ completely and follow him fully. Those two cannot be separated, trusting him completely and following him fully. So let's get on the other side of this. This is what's behind, I think, sometimes people's desire to identify with being a follower of Christ when in fact they're not in their actual lifestyle. But, but what is apparent uh, what is apparent about true faith so in other words what, what are the characteristics what can we nail down so that we can be leaving here today saying man I know that my trust in God it's authentic it's real it's genuine because that's an important thing we said at the beginning it's, it's actually the determining factor in our lasting happiness and healthy character development so we need to know that what we are calling faith trust in Christ that it's it's solid it's 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 trustworthy so here we go John three thirty six. Jesus said this he said whoever whoever trusts in the son has what so the minute that I stop trusting supremely in myself and doing things my way and I put my trust in Christ he gives me as a free gift eternal life and that means eternal life in his kingdom that is extraordinary it doesn't matter how many sins we've sinned he forgives all of our sins and gives us eternal life it is not presumptuous to say I know I have eternal life if I have put my trust in Christ whoever whoever put your name in there if you've never done it whoever trusts in the son that's Jesus has present tense right now certainty eternal life but look at the contrast whoever you tell me what does it say disobeys the son will not see that life but remains subject to God's wrath which means outside of the benefits of his will that's that's the realm of God's wrath so obedience is 
contrasted with trust so on the one hand it says if we trust simply trust Christ we receive eternal life that's wonderful that's that's grace that's the gift of God but it says that the proof of our trust in essence is we will not be one that lives a life unconcerned and disobedient to God so trust produces obedience let's look at it a little, a little closer if I could just go to the next verse Hebrews chapter 5 of the New Testament says after he meaning Jesus after he had finished his work his work on the cross sacrificially revealing God's love for us on the cross after he had finished his work he became the source of eternal salvation for who for everyone but but is it everyone but what is the contingency what is the condition Randy, wait, 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 man, wait, wait, man. I always heard in church world, all you got to do is believe in Jesus, and you, and you get your sins forgiven, you get eternal life. Yeah, but do you know what that word believe means? It is a Greek word, pistis. It means belief, trust, confidence, relies. We've been emphasizing that. And when I authentically trust Christ, the proof will be I will what? Can you say it? I'll obey him. We know this. You've heard me give these illustrations. Before you go to the doctor, the doctor says, you need to take this, 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 and this for the rest of your life. Take these three pills a day. You'll be healthy, wealthy, wise. We say, thank you, doctor. Thank you, man. I have not been feeling like, you know, myself. And then we go home and throw the prescription in the trash. Uh, will the prescription do us any good? No. Well, it would if we took it. If we obey. Trust in God is revealed by our obedience to God. So I'm obeying him, though, because I know that he, he loves me more than I love myself. He actually knows what will bring my highest happiness and long-term well-being. He actually wants my character to develop positively. He's simply trying to teach me to live the way he himself lives and the way he himself loves. And that's the only way life in the universe can ultimately work for eternity. So my trust will always produce an obedient lifestyle all right let, let, let's, let's, let's look at this a little bit more Hebrews gives us a couple of illustrations of this without trusting it is possible to be pleasing to God is that what it says no what is the word impossible impossible God can't help us to develop and grow he can't save us from the bad ideas and bad habits we have unless we trust him so we can't it's not pleasing to him because he can't give us the wonderful quality of life that he wants to give us unless we're willing to follow willing to trust without trusting it is impossible to, to be well pleasing to God by trusting now he's going back to Old Testament examples showing that trust and action always show themselves by trusting Noah after receiving divine warning about things as yet unseen was filled with holy fear and built an ark to save his household through this trusting he put the world under condemnation and received the righteousness that comes from trusting when you or I as we said earlier in this message put our trust in God as he's revealed in Christ and become followers of Christ God says you're you're righteous from now on in my sight because I'm going to continue working in you and I'll make you righteous you'll learn to live like I live and love like I love because you're going to follow me freely you're going to follow me fully and you're going to follow me forever so he declares us righteous from the start look at another example we go back to Abraham we saw that in James 
by trusting Abraham obeyed after being called to go out to a place which God would give him as possession indeed he went out without knowing where he was going Abraham was 75 years old and God comes to him he's in early Chaldees says man I, I want to make you a nation I want to make you a blessing to the world but you have to leave everything behind and I'm going to take you to some new place and he just wanders around in the land of Canaan because he trusts God so action action is always what proves the authenticity of our trust let me kind of give you a statement on this true faith slash trust same word true faith trust is a powerful dynamic transformational force superseded only by love in other words the only force that is more motivating than authentic trust in Christ is love for Christ and when we trust Christ and we start moving along learning to do things his way we discover his way is always best and and our affection starts to grow for him and and once it turns to love now we're really motivated to serve God and to be a blessing to him and a blessing to others but but it's a transformational dynamic force in other words when I when I just turn dynamic my trust in God energizes me continuously it is not belief in one static set of truths about God it is trust in a person that links me to that person so that I'm constantly learning constantly growing constantly uh, doing what he has built me and designed me to do let me add to this it is rooted in spontaneous and authentic now get this we can't fake this it's either there or it's not it's rooted so this this trust in Christ it's rooted in spontaneous authentic admiration I'm gonna start there unless I see something in Christ when I learn the story that I admire I'm never going to actually trust him admiration approbation meaning when I look at Christ and I listen to his teachings I approve I like what he says I like the way he thinks I like what he says about the kingdom and the way he's designed life to be admiration approbation appreciation I'm appreciative that he gave me life and that he tells me unshamedly that he loves me even though I spent a lot of my life breaking his laws and breaking his heart and affection I actually start to feel warm toward him I have affection for him an aspiration to be like him meaning that I aspire I not only like you Jesus but I want to be like you I really spontaneously authentic I just want to be like you I see what life should be in you if everyone was like you we'd have a glorious world everybody would be safe everybody would be loved nobody be left out nobody be put down nobody would live shame filled shame riddled lives I I like you no 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 I, I'm starting to love you and I want to be like you all this is rooted okay in the the foundations of trust of faith so it's rooted in spontaneous authentic admiration approbation appreciation affection and aspiration to be like him I want I don't just like you I want to be like you let me add to this false or confused faith because sometimes we're just confused may now this is where we're getting ready to land the plane wheels are coming down but you're not going to feel real comfortable with what these last two sentences say you're going to have to think you're going to have to be introspective you're going to have to allow God to put his searchlight on you on ourselves as we look at this but here we go 
false or confused faith it may sing sing loudly even praise give give financially serve read God's word give thanks etc meaning you know we could add all the other churchy things Christian things but in hopes that God might be what is the word appeased or pleased with us now now here's what I'm saying God doesn't just ask us what we do and neither do we frankly we don't just ask what a person does we want to know why they're doing it I mean when you know someone's motives it can make you feel more positive or more negative if somebody's buttering you up because they want to swindle you (laughs) the buttering up is not so nice anymore is it you don't like the buttering up you might, the buttering up might have felt pretty good until you find out they're really trying to swindle you so God always asks us what we're doing but why we're doing it so people and James was writing to people like this they wanted to identify as Christians they were probably doing all these things singing praising giving you know serving all this jazz but they were doing it because they wanted to appease God God I just want to get you frankly I just want to get you off my back and on my side because you're big you're intimidating you're scary I can't control you you control my next heartbeat and wave in my brain I what can I do to just get you on my side and off my back is there a ceremony I can do is there a and so we try these things so it's the motive we can do these things but we're doing them because look God are you pleased with me are you pleased with me I'm singing to you or did my song make you happy today I want to make you happy I praised you are you are you happy with me God because I praised you those are not the right motives now I said we could be confused all right look at the other side of the coin while true faith or trust does all those things and more and more here's the the big issue though because we are you tell me what those last three words are pleased with God so I'm singing I'm praising I'm giving I'm serving I'm doing all these things but I'm not doing it because I want to get him off my back and on my side I'm doing it because I am so knocked out with him with who he is I can't help myself the more I see of him the more I learn of him the more I do his will the more I gain the experience from doing his will and I see that his will and his ways are always what's best for me always loving always good no matter what changes he asks me to make I have growing confidence so I'm doing those things but I'm doing them because I just am pleased with him and I can't stop from doing these things it's just spontaneous whereas on the other one we're doing the same things but we're doing it because I want him off my back and on my side he's scary man and and, and I just I don't know what to do with him I can't avoid him I have to do something so a person's trust in Christ this is where we started but we did it in a question form a person's trust in Christ or lack thereof will be it is true the number one factor number one not number two three four number one number one factor determining our my your lasting happiness and healthy character development in this life take it to the bank we're all going to exhibit by our life the truth of this statement so we've got to ask this question right 
I'm not trying to shake anybody's um, emotional state today. But now that we understand what true trust is, and James thought it was very important to clarify it for the folks then, and the Spirit of God has seen fit to do this through the generations, you and I have to ask ourselves, do I authentically have trust in Christ? Am I really a follower of Christ? doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means I'm following the perfect one. It means that I'm in a change process. I'm, I'm putting off my old self and old ways, the, the Scripture talks about, and I'm, I'm learning to live more like Christ and love more like Christ. But I'm authentic, man. I'm the real deal. I trust Him. I, I don't care if the rest of the world stops following Jesus. I'm going to follow Him because He's one my confidence, my trust, my reliance. Can we comfortably, and we should be able to comfortably, say, you just described me, Randy, that's me, man. All I want to do is learn more of God's Word and God's will so that I can allow it to modify my life so I can become the human being God meant me to become and to do the things that God always intended me to do. That's me, Randy. That's me. If that's you, then you can know as you leave here today, you not only have all your sins forgiven, you have the gift of everlasting life in God's kingdom. His spirit indwells you, will lead you, will guide you, will help you to continue to learn and grow and become more like Christ until we finally meet the Lord at one point in our lives altogether. But if what you're calling faith is deficient based on what we've seen today oh my goodness a loving God has given you a grand opportunity he's not here to make you feel bad and condemn you he's here to say I just want you to to be willing to experience the real thing trust me become actually my follower stop doing it your way it's never gonna work trust me the life you've always wanted I will be able to give you but you've got to simply trust me so if you've been found today that you're, what you're calling faith is insufficient, man, this, this could be a banner day for you. It could be the best day of your life. You've got to be humble enough, though, to do what I did back at age 23. You've got to say, I'm going to put my trust in Christ, and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. I'm following him freely. I'm going to follow him fully. He says, change it. I'm going to change it. He says, start it. I'm going to start it. He says, learn it. I'm going to learn it. He says, stop it. I'm going to stop it. And I'm going to follow him forever. Man, I hope that this will be a special day that all of heaven, it says, says in Scripture that the angels in heaven literally celebrate when one person puts their trust in Christ and becomes his follower. I hope that happens today. And I hope for you that are followers, you will just be affirmed today that your faith is, is precious in the sight of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for your patience, your mercy how we need your patience, how we need your mercy, how we, we need to hear again and again that your forgiveness is available, uh, that, that you don't look at us as those worthy of guilt if we're willing to turn to you. Thank you for your kindness. Help us this day to be humble, to be wise, and to make decisions today that will stand for the rest of this life and for all eternity. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.